The reading of scripture will be John chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. The reading of God's word. May it strengthen and encourage us. We're very ha happy to have Enrique with us this morning. He's with Corazon Ministries. Uh, we know that ministry. Mike Alameda has been here before. We welcome him to come. May God bless uh, his preaching. You may be seated. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Testing. Oh, there he goes. Good morning. How's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? There you go. Thank you. I'm kind of tired, so you need to wake me up. No, I'm just kidding. So first of all, like last time, I, my first time was, I think, September or October. My memory is terrible. You can uh, ask my wife about it. She will tell you. But anyways, uh, this is my second time, so it's just been uh, an honor. The first time that I was invited, and I'm so excited and so thankful that I'm here with you guys. And as always, uh, I'm going to pray that because every time we show up here, we need to believe that God, the God of the universe, Jesus has a word for us. Because if not, I would say this, like, we're just going to, I'm going to be losing my time if, if I don't, you know, these words doesn't come from God and you're going to be losing your time. So let's pray that the Holy Spirit will teach us his word. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity that you give us to gather as your people, Lord. Uh, we hunger for you, Lord. We hunger for your word. We hunger for your truth. We pray, Lord, that, uh, Holy Spirit, that you will speak through me, because I have nothing to say, Lord. You know every single need in here, Lord. I pray that you will minister to that need, and in those areas that we need to be challenged, or confronted, Lord, or exhort, I pray that that will be also the case. And Lord Jesus, we pray that we will feel your grace and your love and embrace who you are in our lives. And I pray all these in Jesus' name, amen. So if you are new to Redemption Church, I wanted to ask you a favor. If you can raise your hand, if you don't have a Bible, one of the members from Redemption Church is going to give you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, and if you don't have one, you can keep that, and that's our gift from Redemption to you. And I'm going to speak in Spanish right now, okay? En español, si de casualidades eres nuevo aquí en Redemption, y no tienes Biblia, por favor levanta la mano y di español. Y si no tienes Biblia, es nuestro regalo para ti de parte de Redemption. Ok, gracias. So, 
That was hard, right? <laughs> oh, okay, I have to say this in the beginning. I have a very thick accent, so you have to bear with me. Okay? Thank you. <laughs> so, Redemption Church uh, have been going through a book that is called Love Among Us by Paul Miller. And the whole idea is learning to love like Jesus. And I love that because everything about the Christian faith, the gospel, the Bible, God, is about Jesus. And hopefully through these different uh, passages that you've been uh, learning and, and, you know, and growing, you can see that everything that is in your life, like you, know, like you guys said, like all, all of life is all about Jesus, that is true. And hopefully that can be something very practical for you this morning. So I know that usually, uh, you know, they go like through completely uh, uh, books of the Bible here in Redemption, but because of this book, we've been going through different like passages in the Bible and the Gospels because that's what we hear about the life of Jesus. And now let me give you some context of the passage that we just read. This is in the, uh, John chapter 7. So quite some time has passed when Jesus uh, has been doing miracles and preaching about the kingdom of God. And he started in Judea, and then he went to Galilee. Okay? And there is a shift here uh, in John chapter 7, because we see, and if you know your Bible, especially the book of John, we see escalating hatred towards the Lord Jesus. Like, why? Like, you're going to see why that, that was happening. But the picture at this point is not good, because in John chapter 5, that was the first time that John... Uh, wrote that the Jews were trying to kill him. So that's not, this was kind of like the second time. So it's a lot of hatred. You know, picture that. Jesus is dealing with that in this text. Perhaps the most in Jesus' life at this point. So that's why in verse 7 he says that the Jews were seeking to kill him. And the Bible, when it says Jews, uh, it means specifically the religious leaders and the Pharisees. I don't know if you noticed, but every time Jesus will go to the Pharisees, like, things will get kind of like ugly, right? There's a reason why, but let me ask you something, uh, a very important question for you. And that question is, who do you think Jesus is? Please, fill the blank for me. Jesus is, and you know, and doesn't matter if you grew up in the church, doesn't matter if you've been Christian in your life, or, you know, hopefully you're new here today. You have to answer this question. You have to have an answer. Even if you have apathy towards it, that's an answer still. So that's why I love what you're going through this book, because it's all about Jesus. And we need to know who Jesus is in the light of Scripture. We need to know that because you can create your own Jesus that has nothing to do with the Jesus that is revealed through Scriptures. And, you know, our flesh gets on the way, and we're very, oh, yeah, Jesus is this and that. But when we look at God's Word, like, uh, you know, that's not it. So you have to be careful with that. And why do I say this? Because when you know the real Jesus, you know real love. Think about that like, phrase, you know, love is a very popular word, love, love, yeah, God is love. But if you go around asking people, define for me love, you're going to get all these different answers. And when you look at the Bible, it's like, uh, I'm confused, you know. So we even have to define love as God defines love. And back again, if you go around and say, hey, God is love, the Bible says that God is love, like, what does that mean? And then you're going to get all these different answers. So we need to look at the person and the character of Jesus to answer that question, like, what is love? So that's why I love the title, uh, love, um, uh, Walk Among Us. So let's go to the, through the text real quick. I'm going to read uh, verse 3. 
He says, So his brothers said to him, Live here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. Okay, parenthesis. Newsflash, just to let you know, Jesus had brothers. And I'm, I'm telling you this because for a lot of people, they have an issue believing this. Okay, theology 101, okay? Virgin, you know, the Virgin Mary, you know, the Holy Spirit, uh, she, she perceived by the Holy Spirit, and she was virgin when Jesus was born, okay? That's the scripture, was one of our foundation as Christians. But then after that, after Jesus was born, Mary had all her children with Joseph. That makes sense? Okay, that's all I want to say. Because some people are like, yeah, like, who is James and Joseph? I'm like, those are, you know, if you want to call it a half-brother of Jesus, okay? And actually, uh, James, you know, in the Bible, the book of James, that was Jesus' half-brother that eventually, you know, we see that in these sects they didn't believe in him, but eventually he became a leader in the church in Jerusalem. And the book of James is an amazing book. It's a very practical book. So I just want to say that in front of you. So picture... You know, the atmosphere of the, this statement from his brothers. He says, for, for no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. And he says, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. So, you know, like, what do you think was Jesus' brothers? Did they really care that Jesus was, you know, supposed to be famous and that kind of thing? Not really. Why am I saying this? Because it says that they didn't even believe in him. They didn't care. So eventually, we see, we know through Scripture, that in the future, Jesus' brothers, they, be, they, they became Christians because we see in the book of Acts that uh, there's like a lot of disciples praying in the upper room, and it says, and there was, Berg, I mean, it was Mary and Jesus' brothers. So we, we see that, you know, eventually they became believers. But at this point in John chapter 7, they didn't like him. And, you know, maybe they have these expectations about Jesus because, you know, if you know your Bible, back then, uh, this idea of the Messiah coming, most of the Jews were thinking that they, they pictured like a powerful, like kind of like Davidic, you know, King David figure to overthrow Rome. And that didn't happen, did it? No. Why? Because Jesus had another agenda. And back then, of course, like they didn't understand what that agenda was all about. And then think about it. Imagine if you grew up with Jesus as your brother. You know what? You will be miserable. You know why? Because imagine having a brother who is perfect. And literally, you know, that's what the Bible teaches, that, he, that Jesus was without sin. So imagine every single thing that Jesus said, did, and told you, whatever, it was right. So no wonder they hated him, right? I'm just kidding. No, I don't know, but I can picture that. I will, I will be miserable. <laughs> So, interesting, they grew up together, but the text says that they didn't believe in him. This tells me, this tells me that it doesn't matter if you grew up in the church, if your par- parents told you about Jesus, you can still reject Jesus. Isn't that sad? But regardless of your background, you have to put your faith personally, personally in Jesus Christ. And no one can do that for you. No one. That's why you have to have that conviction. And back again with what I said before, if you don't have that conviction, is going to come from knowing who really Jesus is and not my, my own conception of who Jesus is. That makes sense? So that's why here, you know, as Christians, and I know that redemption is a reality, that it's all about the Bible and God's Word. You cannot know Jesus without 
looking in God's Word. Trust me, I know a lot of friends and a lot of people that they read the Bible and this and this and that, and they do like a mix, and you have this Jesus that you're like, that's not the Jesus that we're reading right here, you know, the Jesus that was hated. So, you know, Jesus' brother was saying, if you do this, I mean, if you're the son of God, then do this, you know, that kind of thing. So, they, Jesus brought, they didn't understand the love for them because Jesus was trying to love them, but they didn't see it because they were caught up in their own agenda. Let's see if you uh, can get what I'm saying right now. Jesus' brother's statement sounds familiar, doesn't it? Let me explain. This, sound, it's, this statement sounds satanic. What do I mean by that? Because in Matthew 4, when Jesus uh, is tempted by the devil in the wilderness, you know how uh, Satan tempted him? He said, if you are the son of God, then do this. If you are the son of God, tell these rocks to become bread. If you are the son of God, whatever, fill the blank. And Jesus' brother basically are saying the same, right? They're like, hey, come on, you want to show up? Prove it to us, like go to Judea and do all these miracles and whatever. But that wasn't the point. Jesus' biggest motive wasn't to come to earth so he can just heal people and do miracles. That was part of it, but that wasn't the main thing. The main reason why Jesus came to this earth is so he can die on the cross for our sins so that we can be reconciled to God and have eternal life. That is the main thing. You know, sometimes we get caught up about all these different things about Jesus that has nothing to do with the, with the essentials. So, if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, maybe this, maybe this is you. You say something like, maybe you're saying that you're seeking after God or, or something like that, but maybe your motive is not right. Or maybe you are mad at God because something bad happened in your life. Maybe a tragedy or something difficult. Maybe you're going through a hard time. And I don't know, you felt that God didn't come through or whatever. And if you're a Christian this morning, this also could apply to you. Because maybe you have a certain expectation about God, like the brothers had, and then what happened? It didn't happen. When you have an expectation and that expectation is not met, disappointment is the result of that. So let me tell you, with a lot of grace, maybe you are demanding from God, maybe I am demanding from God, and we have no business doing that. When you understand that God is the God of the universe and he loves us and he has given us his grace, we have no business demanding from God. We should be thankful and humble before him. So in other words, going back to Jesus' brothers, they have their agenda and Jesus have another agenda, right? And look at Jesus' response in verse 6. It says, Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. In our translations, it says, your time is always ready. Or you can go anytime, and then another translation says your time is always opportune. So this is one of the big ideas that I want you to wrestle with this morning, and that is that Jesus always keeps the divine timetable. Always. You mean what always means in the Greek? Always. Just kidding. <laughs> it's always. Okay? So in other words, he has an agenda, and his agenda was being obedient to God the Father. And if you, if you know Jesus' life, you can see that all that throughout the Gospels. Everything that, he has, that Jesus did, it was about obedience to the Father, obedience to the Father, 
And I always tell people, you know, like, why would you obey God? They're like, uh, no, I'm kidding. Like, why would you obey God? You won't obey God as long as you don't know that he loves you so much. Because why would you obey someone that you, you have no trust in that person or you don't know anything about that person? So obedience comes from knowing who God is and that Jesus loves you. So when, when Jesus responds to his brother, your time is always here, basically Jesus was saying to his brother, yeah, because you are of the world, you don't have this godly and eternal mindset. So, so for you, every time is opportune all the time. So think about like us, how can we apply this to our lives? Sometimes we don't ask God for anything and we do our, our own thing in our own time, time frame. Instead of saying, God, what is your agenda? Like, what is your timing? We're gonna, I'm going to say about, a lot about time. Okay, time, time. It's, 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 a, it's an important concept. So what can we do with this? Let me ask you, what is your agenda? Because believe it or not, you have one. Maybe you don't think it in those, in those terms, but you have an agenda. Is it, following, is it that agenda following Jesus every day to give God glory? Or are you chasing after something else rather than Jesus? Do you have your priorities aligned with God, God's heart? Or you just come up with your plan and do, okay, yeah, I'm a Christian, but who cares about God? I'm a Christian, but then I'm going to do whatever I want. Because sometimes if we're not careful, sometimes if we don't spend time in the war and we don't pray or, you know, we don't are in community, we can, we can fall for that. So, or do you want to live like Jesus on the divine timetable? And that's our goal, you know, to imitate Jesus in everything. And just to let you know, um, if you can grasp or embrace this truth, like this little bit, it will change your life. When you understand that God, the God of the universe, is sovereign, and by sovereign I mean that he is in control of every single detail of the universe. The Bible says that he knows the stars by name and that he knows you because he made you. Okay? Sometimes I was, uh, two days ago, I was talking to some friends, and they were talking about, they were kidding, you know, like, oh, like, you weren't planned. Your parents didn't plan you, you know, that kind of thing. And I said to them, you know what? Even if that will be true, even if that will be the case, your parents didn't plan you. God did. <laughs> so I don't care, like, what was your parents' motto? Like, if God allows you to have a life, he has a purpose for you. So, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. That's true. But you, you only have, you can have that mindset where you understand that God is sovereign and he has a purpose for you. And guess what? Being in control of every single thing in the universe, that includes time. And time belongs to God and not to us. But we live like we have everything under control, right? Oh, yeah, I'm going to do this, and you plan, and you get, you, all, you get all stressed because, you know, I have to get all A's at college and this and job, and I got to be a good parent, whatever. But then we never stop and think, God, what do you want me to do and when? Or when is opportune? You know, because timing is also very important, as we see here. I hope that you're seeing that in the text, that the brother saying, like, hey, you should go this, and Jesus is like, no, I'm not doing that, because it's not time yet. So we see that Jesus is the personification of love. And I love, it's not on the slides, but I love uh, John. Listen to what John, Jesus said in John 4. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So Jesus' agenda was to obey God the Father always, all the time. So love 
let's talk about like Jesus in terms of like him being love. Love does the will of the Father, not the will or, of other voices. Let me explain. You know, in verse 8, it says, I'm not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. So let's see. Let's try to apply this. What are some other voices in your life that you're listening to instead of God? Maybe it can be your own voice. And your own voice, I don't know, you tell me, you know, you, it sounds like maybe you are listening to your vain thoughts and, oh, yeah, I want to do this, I want to do this, and then you don't care about God. Maybe that's your own voice that is getting on the way. Or instead of, like, saying to God, God, you will be done, we say, God, my will be done. My will, yeah, my will be done. So that can be that. It also can be the world's voice. What are the lies that are you believing from the culture that we live in? Put it in context. What are the lies that we believe in here in America in 2019? Maybe it's about this concept of like self-sufficiency, like, hey, you want to do good in life, then you have to work hard and blah, 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 and you don't need God, you don't need family, you don't need anyone. Like, you do it yourself. Kind of like Nike, Nike, you know, just do it, that kind of thing. So believe it or not, that's kind of like a concept that is uh, mixed in the culture that it is so normal to us that we don't stop and think about it. But what is the opposite that we're seeing this morning? That Jesus was completely dependent on God. So we need to do the same. Or maybe you are listening to Satan's voice. And I know that Satan usually comes first in your mind. Because remember how he tempted Eve in the garden? With a thought. Did really God say this? A lie, poof, in your mind. And she's like, oh, you know, maybe we, like, we're going to be like God. and That kind of thing. So... Maybe he has tried to convince you. Actually, what we were singing, I think that was amazing that we were singing about God's promises. Maybe he's trying to convince you that God's promises are not true. Or this is a very practical one and a very uh, uh, damaging one. Or that God is not good. You know, something bad happened in your life and then you go out and Satan is like, yeah, you see? Ha! God is not good, so get over it. Like, follow me or follow your own. Or we can reply like Jesus did. And he responded like this when he was standing. He said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So if you love, if you love Jesus, you should love his word. So whenever you're tempted with Satan's light, this is how you reply. No, I know who my God is. I know his promises. Get out of here. Okay? But if, you, if we don't know this, then of course we're going to believe those lies, or we are more, more tempted to believe those lies. Then the other big idea that I want you to understand is that we love like Jesus when we do the will of the Father. We love like Jesus when we do the love of the Father. Like I said, the book is about learning to love like Jesus, and one of the biggest things that Jesus did was that he was doing always the will of the Father. You know, there's a lot of people, I don't know why, but there's a lot of people who see as a weakness to don't pray like, at the end of your prayer, you say, God, your will be done. They say that that's like a weakness because you're not having faith. I'm like, no, 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 no. The Bible, somehow, it teaches both. And James says that we have to pray with faith, without doubting. But then Jesus, even Jesus, before going to the, to the cross, he said, but your will be done. And that's one key that you will never have to forget. God, even though I don't like it, even though it might get ugly, even though I don't understand it, you will be done. And that's going to reflect your heart because some, usually we want to do the, the completely opposite. 
So Jesus demonstrates love, but not by meeting demands. Did you notice that? What? Sweet and lovely Jesus said no to his brothers? Yes. You know, because sometimes we have this, especially this culture, this, we have this idea that loving someone is meeting all their demands no matter what. Oh, that's not loving. You know, hey, my kid wants this. Oh, give it to him. Oh, you're such a bad parent because that's not loving him. I'm like, really? How many times have we fell for that? So hopefully this encourages you. Even Jesus said no. And trust me, he said no a bunch of times. But why? Because when, when he was saying no, he was saying no because in this case, his brothers, they couldn't see the bigger picture. They couldn't see what was coming. They couldn't see that Jesus was going to save them from their sins, even though back then, later, they will become believers. They didn't see that. So that's why when they heard, no, I'm not going, they got all offended. And like I told you, every single thing that Jesus said and did was perfect. So that no is perfect. So love, love doesn't always do. Sometimes love doesn't do. Do you agree? Uh, so in verse 7, it says, listen to the response, okay? It says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Because what? Because I testify about it that its words are evil. Back again. What? Jesus are saying that the, the world's works are evil? Yes. And I know that for a lot of people that may be offensive, that might be intolerable. But if Jesus really, really is the truth and the way in the life, then we need to pay attention to what he was saying here. The world hates Jesus. This text shows me that the world hates Jesus. But let me, let, me, let me tell you, like, why? Why would he hate this person who was healing people, being compassionate with people? Why? Because Jesus, his main message was this amazing message that, that we call the gospel. And the gospel means good news. But in order for you and me to understand those good news, you need to understand first the bad news. Okay? And those bad news is what Jesus is referring here. Those bad news, according to the Bible, has to do that we are sinners. That we are born with this sinful nature, and that means that we are separated from God spiritually. Like literally, picture yourself as a spiritual zombie. You have life, you have a body, you are alive, but spiritually your spirit is dead. Without Christ, that's your position. Okay? So who, will, who likes to hear that? Who likes to hear, hey, you're a sinner, you're separated from God, you're God's enemy, and Ephesians says that, you are a children of wrath. Sorry, my TH is kind of wrath, wrath, anyways. Children of wrath, you know what I'm saying, right? So, so picture this. So Jesus is coming with this message, and of course, no wonder they hate him. Do you agree with that? But if you don't see the first part, you will never, never embrace, and you will never see how good is the second part. And the second part is the good news. So real quick. Okay, you're sinner, you might be separated from God, but Jesus says, hey, I am the answer to that. I came so you may have eternal life. I came so you can be forgiven. I came to restore that broken relationship with God that you cannot obtain by your own efforts. You know, being a good enough person doesn't work because the standard is completely holiness and perfection. So nobody of us meets that standard. So... Back again, we need to understand the complete message so we, can, so we won't see it as hatred. 
you know, this, this word, so we wouldn't say that something that is, you know, so hateful for us. So isn't it interesting that love, by definition, confronts sin? This is, this is what Jesus is doing, right? He's saying that, that the, word, the, the word is evil. So the other principle is like loving, loving like Jesus requires confronting and dealing, and dealing also, dealing with sin. So the most, believe it or not, the most loving thing that you can do for someone, you know, when they're in sin, is to tell them, to speak to them the truth in love. Both. They need truth, and you need to love them. Because we are so good at just telling the truth, right? Oh, yeah, you're doing wrong, you're doing this. But we forget to love them. And Jesus was a perfect example of, like, confronting people in their sin, but at the same, at the same time, he offered grace. He offered grace. So we need to imitate Jesus in that. So if Jesus were, okay, let me put it this way. If Jesus were here today, in 2019 in America, he would be what we call a hater. <laughs> you agree? Because Jesus will come and try to love people and say, hey, you need to repent and trust in me. And they're like, oh, such a hater. You're such old school. Come on, you're so intolerable. You know, whatever you want to add to that. Right? But guess what? Usually when we respond like that, it's because we don't understand God's love for us. So if you really love someone, it doesn't matter how hard it might be, you still need to come and say, hey, I know you're going to like this or whatever, but because I love you, let me tell you the truth. And it's God's truth, not your truth. Okay, let's, let's make that clear. And sometimes I was thinking, you know, I was thinking actually last night when I was studying, I was thinking, you can even love someone with all your heart, and you can try to love that person in, in, you know, in a practical way, and you can still have hate in return. How many of you have experienced that? That even when you humble yourself before God and say, God, like, what do you want me? How can I love this person? You went unto that person, and this person just like blasted you. Like, and things got ugly. But if we look, when we look at this text, you have to consider that possibility. But this is, this is not so we can be discouraged. The opposite is that we have to depend on God with everything. When, when, you know, when we're talking about evangelism or trying to reach people for Christ, they say, like, God, it's not about how, how smart I am. It's not about how much I read the Bible, how much I pray. It's not about that. It's about asking God to reveal to that person that they need Jesus. And we're not the Holy Spirit. I mean, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and God can use us. But we're not the Holy Spirit to say, hey, I'm going to change your heart. I change it. No. God is the one who does the supernatural work of changing somebody's heart. Especially those hearts that are hardened by sin, by shame, by guilt, by all the pain that they have lived in their life. And I don't care if you have like degrees in psychology or whatever. Spiritually speaking, you're not capable of doing that. Only God does that. We see that in the, whole test, in the Old Testament that he gave this promise that, that God is going to turn a heart of stone in a heart of flesh. And the good thing is that, like, uh, the word God says that we are ambassadors for that. And God, somehow, God uses us to accomplish his purpose on this earth. Isn't that amazing? So that instead of saying, yes, I'm an ambassador for Christ, say, God, I am so humble that you wouldn't think of me so I can serve you in this way. So... That's also dependent on God for everything. And then um, on 8 and 9, it's not on the screen, but it says, you go, up, you go up 
to the feast, I am not going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. It says fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. So, you know, pretty simple. Jesus was saying it's not time yet. It's not time yet. And, of course, in context, this means that, A, eventually, actually, if you keep on reading, he eventually went to Judea, but he went secretly. He went in secret. Why? Because they knew that the Jews were, like, trying to kill him and look for him. But Jesus was, of course, under control of everything, but he kept that divine agenda. So we need to do the same. We need to, like, sit down and think about it and pray and say, like, God, what am I... What am I rushing right now? Or how long have I been rushing and doing my own things on my own time? So we have to depend on God with the small things and also with the big things in your life, for every single thing in your life. And I want to share with you a story that really spoke to me through I was going through this passage. So me and my wife, we have been looking for a house for more than one year and four months, something like that. Okay. In the beginning, I was so excited. I was for I was like looking in the market. You know, I was doing all that. Uh, and then I said, "Okay, God, I would like you know, this is me speaking to God, right? I would like to find something close to the ministry so I can be close, and some you know, close to good friends. Blah 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 blah. I sound like that. Blah blah blah. You know. <laughs> so after months and months, and we've been praying since the beginning. Me and my wife, we were praying for this. We we're praying. We we're praying. And then. Okay, in quotes, kind of like the perfect house show up in the perfect location that we want. It was close to the ministry. It was nice, and it was in our budget, blah, blah, blah. Back again, blah, blah. So I put an offer the first day, and then apparently I was in God's will and God's time because somebody put a better offer than me. And I was like, ah. Oh. So back then I was kind of like discouraged, to be honest, and me and my wife were kind of like, oh, okay, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then after months and months of like, keep on looking, Picture this. I was all fired up, and I was looking, looking, looking. And then, finally, thank God, the Holy Spirit gave me conviction and said, like, what are you doing? <laughs> I know that you're praying, but, hey, you need to believe that there's a, God has a place for you in the right timing. And that phrase, the right timing, kind of, like, stopped me on my tracks. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I, I did this prayer. I said, God, if I'm honest, I'm being kind of like stubborn. So you know what? Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter when, whenever you want, and however you want. Like literally. And to be honest, when I when I made that prayer, I, I had peace. And I said, you know what? And then me and my wife, we just got pregnant with our second baby, and she's doing May. So we're like, no. And then we, we you need to understand context. We live in a one-bedroom, like guest house. So we have another baby, me and Lorena, so we need, like, more room, right? And I was like, well, you know, like, eh, I don't care. So God, you know that we need more space. It doesn't have to be a house, whatever. And then I said to Lorena, to my wife, I said, you know what? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to do my part, and I want to trust in God. But if not, the worst case scenario, we just rent something somewhere. I don't care, you know, in, in a good way, you know. And then this house came up in the market, and we wanted to see it, and we liked it, and... And nine days ago, I just got the keys in my hands. And, and I'm saying you just so you can focus on what's really important, that God took me through a journey because it's more than a year, okay, about this topic, you know. And finally, I say, you know what? You're right. According to my time, my agenda, I did this at this time and in this location and whatever. But God says, uh-uh-uh-uh, I have this for you. And I said to my wife, you know, this is a blessing, 
So who cares about my agenda? I want what God wants for me and not what I want for myself. Does that make sense? So hopefully, uh, I know that maybe for a lot of you or for me, a house is a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal. But it hasn't had to be a big deal. For every single detail in your life, you can trust God with that. Does that make sense? So it, it was in God's timing. Time, time, time. It was in God's timing. Okay? So the summary, I want to give you with this summary. I mean, we talk a lot about a lot of things, but this is it. Point number one is that Jesus' timing triumphs our timing. Okay, and we need to live according to that in God's agenda. We need to depend on God with his timing. Remember that we can be maybe like doing all these things for God, but then we forget about the timing. I mean, I didn't have the reference, but there's a lot of texts that it says, Paul says that in the right moment, Christ died for us. So for whatever reason, 2,000 years ago, God chose that in history too, because Jesus could have come today, right? But had God's like a divine agenda. And in the practical way, when we lose sight of that, you're going to be miserable. Trust me, <laughs> I've been there. We're going to be miserable. And then the third point is when we depend on God, when we, de- sorry, when we depend on God, we love like Jesus. This is a perfect example of obedience to God the Father. So if we want to love like Jesus, we have to depend on God for everything. And by everything, I mean everything. So let me close up, in, close up in prayer. But before we close up in prayer, I want to encourage uh, whoever is new to redemption, or if maybe you are checking things out about Jesus and Bible and God and, you know, life purpose and life, ex- life existence and that kind of thing, I would really want to pray for you that you will see that in the person of Jesus Christ, you find that truth. And not just your truth and my truth, but the truth. And that in Jesus Christ, all of your desires, needs, ambitions, purpose are filled. And this is, this is not just an emotional thing. It's actually reality. If we really believe that like Jesus was the Son of God, we are describing that we believe in a picture of reality. It's not my opinion. It's a picture of reality. We really believe that with Jesus we have eternal life. And as Christians, we have a mission. And that mission is to know God and to let him known and to be transformed more into the image of Jesus. So every single, every single time that you pray, this prayer, besides you will be done, and this is, I know this is God's will, you can do this. God, make me, make me more like Jesus today. Transform me. Hey, God, for my wife, make my wife more like Jesus. Hey, make my children more like Jesus. Or you can say, God, show me to reflect your love so people can experience your love through me. Even though I'm not you, your spirit is in me so they can explain your love through me. So that's our prayer for today because that's the more practical thing that we can do for people, love. And like I said, not the cultural concept of love, but Jesus' love. So that's our prayer for us. So for, let, me, let, me, let me pray for us this morning. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you uh, that you have your timing, you have uh, everything under control, Lord. And we repent, Lord. We repent. We ask for forgiveness for all those times that we have gone and did our, uh, our own stuff in our own timing, Lord. Uh, forgive us for that. Lord, I want to pray if anyone is in here that might be seeking for, for you or for truth, I pray that you will minister to that person. I will pray that they will see how real you are 
that even to the point that they can experience your love through basic and ordinary human beings like us. Lord, I want to pray that while Redemption Church and us as Christians uh, study the Gospels and this idea to love like Jesus, that it will be very real and practical for us, Lord. That we will love like Jesus did, like, that we'll forgive like Jesus forgives, that we'll give grace like Jesus gives grace for everybody. And Lord, I want to pray for us, uh, followers of Jesus Christ, that we remain in that love. That it doesn't matter how hard life gets, doesn't matter what, you know, the world, the other voices that we get to hear, that we listen only to your voice. And Lord, help us to know the real Jesus, the real Jesus that is described in the scriptures, the only Jesus that is real. That Jesus is the one who came so we can be reconciled to God to the point of he had to give his own life. And we cannot add anything to that Jesus, and we cannot take away anything from that Jesus, Lord. So I pray that we embrace Jesus as who he is, and that his love will be a reality in our life, Lord. So I thank you, like always, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.